Welcome to SF City Insider, a San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Trisha Thadani, a city hall reporter at the Chronicle. My colleague Dom Fercasa and I spoke to the leading candidates in each district race up for grabs in November. This episode, we spoke to District 6 candidate Sonia Trous, a well-known housing advocate who started the YIMBY movement. Trous is often described as tenacious, outspoken, and blunt. The question with her is how those qualities will work on the Board of Supervisors. Sonia Trous, thank you for joining us in City Hall. Um, so to begin, we will give you 60 seconds to give your elevator pitch, and I'm going to time you in three, two, one, go. Hi, I'm Sonia Trous. I'm running for a supervisor in District 6. District 6 is Soma, Tenderloin, Treasure Island, Mission Bay. I'm running for supervisor because we need a strong pro-housing voice at City Hall. We need to end homelessness. We need to stop open-air drug use. All of these things are possible. Other cities have done it, and we can too, but we need somebody at City Hall that's going to like actually get it done. My flagship policy idea is to legalize affordable housing all over the city. A lot of people don't realize in 80% of the city, you cannot build affordable housing because it's zoned for like a duplex. And that's really not fair. District 6 has built 60% of the city's housing in the last 10 years, and we need to spread that growth all over. Um, There's a lot of opportunity for affordable housing all over the city. Um, So I think it was about a month ago um, when I followed you and we were canvassing down Clementina Street. Um, And you probably remember we met a man who he was pretty irate outside of his door. Um, So you went up to him, tried getting him to sign up for your mailing list. And then you remember this and he just kept going on and on about how fed up he was about living in this alleyway um you know he was saying there's needles homeless people car break-ins and no one seems to be doing anything um and he said that he was moving because it's not a safe place for him to raise his baby anymore and then he looked at you and he said and i will bet you a hundred thousand dollars right now and say in 10 years you're not going to solve this with housing obviously housing is the bulk of your platform so what is your response or do you want to tell us what your response was to that man um, and people like him who say your only issue is housing yeah so some of the issues that he was talking about will be solved with housing I mean homelessness is literally the lack of housing mm-hmm. so housing and shelter together both we do need both um, will actually make a big difference in homelessness Housing also makes a big difference in drug use. I mean, it's at the bottom of our hierarchy of needs for Mm -hmm. a reason. Like the reason that people are homeless or the reason that people have problems are very complicated, but there's no life situation that's made better by not having housing or by having housing that you can't afford. Mm -hmm. So it really is fundamental. He was also talking about, though, something that doesn't have to do with housing which is that District 6 was allowed to deteriorate by a city that felt sort of free to ignore the problems that we're having in District 6. And I think that that has to do with the personality of the previous supervisor. So, I mean, I'm a different person. I've achieved a lot just as a resident. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a high school math teacher and I put together this organization that's now known as the Yimby Party, which is a huge club in in San Francisco. Um, And we have uh, similar groups all over California and the US. Um, I have a nonprofit. We sue the suburbs to enforce state housing law. Before my nonprofit, there was no enforcement for those Mm -hmm. laws. And we've even changed laws in Sacramento. So if I'm at the board, you better believe like people aren't going to ignore district six anymore but what what does that look like so one major gripe that this man had was he feels like the police don't come by Mm -hmm. anymore because they don't think it's worth it 
because um, the same issues will keep cropping up. So what what are your solutions for that? Yeah, the police, I think, have a bad relationship. I mean, there seems to be like a lot of discouragement between the police, the DA, the judges, the city at large. Mm-hmm. You know, police officers feel like they can't do their job because the DA doesn't bring charges. And residents feel like they call the police and they don't come. But the police feel like that they're uh, that they don't have enough officers. It's just like a lot of bad feeling between a number of departments. Nobody's all right. Nobody's all wrong. Um, some of this, I actually really do think having new personnel will make a difference like we're gonna have a new da you know when there's an election probably um we're gonna have a new mayor the new mayor is gonna be huge we've already i mean when when we Farrell, do have a new mayor i know well but i mean in the next 10 years we will have a different mayor than we had in the last 10 years mm-hmm. Farrell already added more police officers so there will be more police officers coming online uh and Yeah, I think having a new mayor is going to make a really big difference because the relationship between the people of San Francisco, you know, the police department, the supervisor's office and the mayor's office, it had been very dysfunctional. And I think there needs to be more talking to each other and more proactive expectation setting. So Mm -hmm. here's an example. Between the planning department and the board of supervisors, there are two reports mandated by city law every year that the planning department has to give to the board of supervisors. One is the housing balance report and one is the housing and the other is the housing inventory. And there's a hearing about it. We have nothing similar for the police, which makes no sense. We should have at least two for the police. What are the problem areas? What is your plan? How are you doing on the plan You know that you set six months ago or a year ago because we have two major issues one is that people people feel like in san francisco that we are simultaneously over and under policed they say why don't the police enforce laws and also why are the police harassing people that aren't breaking laws both of those are two separate issues that deserve public hearings at regular intervals we don't even have that are those kind of hearings the, the type of thing that you'd like to call yes the okay and okay. also have like a regular report just like the planning department has You've written about the fact that it's illegal to build apartment buildings in 78.6% of the city. Can you talk about how you arrived at those figures and uh, what you plan to do about that? Um, Those figures were a volunteer, the MB party, uh, put put that together. He put the zoning map into uh, algorithm and figured it out. What I plan to do about it is introduce an affordable housing overlay. This is something that already exists. If you Google it, you can find examples in other cities. And basically, the overlay would say, your zoning is your zoning. For instance, if you're in Forest Hill and you have a church and you want to turn it into 150 apartments for low-income seniors and the mayor's office of housing also wants to help you and the money is there and the land is there, uh, but currently, because it's zoned for a church in a single-family neighborhood, um, it would need a zoning change. Uh, and then you're relying on the supervisor, Norman Yee. And actually this happened and Norman Yee did not do the zoning change. He refused to do it because the neighbors didn't want to do it. My proposal is affordable housing overlay so that it is a church unless you want to build affordable housing, in which case you can do it. The zoning is different. The zoning is multifamily. The zoning is up to eight stories. Whatever the, the kinds of things that affordable projects need in order um, to be introduced. And uh, yeah, that was a great example of like a huge missed opportunity and something that I can't believe that no other supervisor did anything about. You know, the 150 people that would have lived in that development if it was built are living in District 6. 
they're living on the street and they're living in shelters. So without a doubt, I think it's perfectly reasonable for Jane Kim to have said, okay, Norman Yee, you're not gonna introduce it, I am. Because this isn't about your district. This is a citywide problem. The seniors, our elders that would live there currently live all over the city. But she didn't. What do you think the, the, the block is there? I think the block is the, the kind of limited imagination that we, I still talk to people that are like, oh, no, obviously, obviously you can't, you can't just build affordable housing in any neighborhood. Some neighborhoods, it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit. Like you just can't. I mean, I talked to a guy actually when I was canvassing who said something like that. He didn't think he was making a political statement. He really thought he was saying something that was just true about the world. Of course, Mm -hmm. that's not true about the world. That's the kind of thing that becomes true because we all keep expecting it to be true. But there's no neighborhood that's inappropriate for affordable housing. Mm -hmm. It can go anywhere. What's another, so you brought up the church in Norman Mm -hmm. Yee's district, um, which is District 7. Um, What's another example of something that you think was a missed opportunity that hasn't been turned into affordable housing that could have been? Well, the teacher housing that's now finally getting online at Francis uh, Scott Key, this is round two. It was like 10 years ago they proposed that Mm -hmm. the first time around. I mean, that could have already been built. And in that case, the neighbors came out and they said, they said that this, they say it's just for teachers, but since it's price controlled, it's basically the same as a housing project. And if you build a housing project, then our neighborhood will be a slum. Just going off of that, so D6, you said, has the largest homeless population in the city. Um, It also has the most shelters. Um, Could you just take us through your platform for homelessness? So the first thing is we really do need more shelter. Do you need more shelters in D6? We need more shelter anywhere. I mean, anywhere there's a good location Mm -hmm. where there's a landowner um, that can do it, where there's a nonprofit that can run it. You know, we can have them in six, but we should really have them in more parts of the city. Like where? Well, District 8, mm-hmm. District 9, District 3, District 5, <laughs> any district. I mean, so 8 actually in particular, this is the thing, is that shelter's super important. So I want to get it, you know, in. And so I want to look for opportunities where there are neighbors that, that want it. So in 8, there are actually neighbors that want Mm-hmm. especially a youth shelter. Mm-hmm. Great. If that's what they want, let's do it. Let's go to where the opportunities are. So I'm not, I know that there are, there are people in district six that want to hear me say that it has to be in another district. And I'm not going to say yes to any more shelters in this district, but I'm not going to say that because the need is very great. Mm-hmm. I definitely believe in geographic equity. We have to spread, like I said, growth, affordable housing, all kinds of services all around at the same time. I want to be practical, Mm -hmm. you know, and I want to get people off the streets like now. Mm -hmm. So the place actually in particular that I've been sort of pushing for over a year, the MTA owns 21 parking garages Mm -hmm. and they are all under parked. In particular, Fifth and Mission. The top floor is always empty. It's huge. So there's plenty of room there if we want to put up tough sheds like they have in Oakland. What are tough sheds? They're, I don't know, you call them micro houses or mm-hmm. something. They put them up in Oakland. Okay. Um, so it's just like a little house. So, so we could put those up. Um, the, initially, the thing that I was thinking of in particular is for people coming out of the navigation centers, um, but anywhere. So one of the things that the state does that I want to copy, so specifically for people on parole, the state is not allowed to release people on parole into homelessness. It is not permitted. 
I want to have a similar rule, right? That the city is not allowed to release people into homelessness. Mm. So if you were release staying, people from like mental health facilities into homelessness or just anywhere, right? Like if you're in a hospital, they're allowed to just discharge you. And if you have nowhere to go, okay, they can just let you go. Um, same from the navigation centers. That's ridiculous. We make a, a social work investment in people. 30% of them do go right to permanent housing. 40% actually go to another city. They take advantage of the homeward bound. They get on a bus and leave. And then the other 30%, basically, the city's like, I don't know, bye. That's ridiculous. We cannot do that. And so I was actually thinking specifically for the navigation centers um, to make sure that people who have gone through that process uh, aren't aren't going back out on the street. So in, in District 2, um, a couple of the candidates floated the idea of building a navigation center outside of San Francisco, like on San Francisco-owned property. Is that something you would support? This is such a weird like talking point because it's already the case mm-hmm. that people who wind up in the the system already have the option to go to other other places. Mm-hmm. So, but San Francisco building a navigation center outside of the city. Yeah, this is a solution that's neither here nor there. We could build a navigation center uh, somewhere else, but why don't we just build housing somewhere else? Mm-hmm. And if we build housing somewhere else, why don't we just build housing here? Like, should we build housing on city-owned land outside of the city? Sure. Should we build housing on city-owned land inside the city? Sure. Like, I'm pro-housing. Mm-hmm. So I think that the thing about that is that when people are proposing it, they're not saying, like, everywhere we can, we should build housing. They're saying, let's build the navigation there, center there, and not here. And that's not something I agree with. Right. So, so yeah, getting back to housing. So your, your competitor, Matt Haney, um, says what sets him apart from you and Christine is that he would prioritize affordable housing, where you and Christine would support all types of housing, which includes market rate. Um, so it's clear that the city doesn't have enough options for um, where people can live, um, but there's also an affordability crisis. So what uh, percentage of new housing needs to be affordable, and how would you prioritize that? District 6 has 30% of the housing is affordable, and I think that that is the right percentage generally. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't actually only look at new housing. You know, We need to look at districts and say to ourselves, what percentage is affordable in every district? So for instance, in District 4, almost nothing is subsidized. The, the notion that it's that these two things are in competition is a narrative that the progressives have been pushing for a long time. But as I started out talking about, it's a total fiction. So only 20% of the city is even zoned for affordable housing. So if you go look at the city and you say, four-fifths of the city, no affordable housing, one-fifth affordable housing, also in that one-fifth is where we're going to build office and hotel and high density market rate then yeah it starts to feel crowded that's just a law we made up that's a law we can change that's a law we can elect someone to change and so when matt haney says that these two things are in competition what he's telling people is that he's okay with 80 percent of the city being off limits that he's like these things are in competition and i'm going to make sure that competition continues to to go on and we don't need to be in competition There's so much opportunity in the rest of the city. Uh, So I want to make sure that I open up that opportunity. Um, If we legalize affordable housing all over the city, affordable housing developers will have, they will have options to buy sites in places that are actually much cheaper, where the land is cheaper. We're going to get a lot more housing. We'll get 30% affordable housing in District 7, District 4, District 1, District, you know, 11. 
two, etc. All of them. Um, actually, you know, in it's unfortunate about District Six is that I think it's home to some of the most visible open air injection drug use. Yeah. There are a lot of stars that need to align before the city could think about getting a safe injection site open. But I wonder what your your um, your perception around safe injection sites are, and if those stars were to align, whether you'd open up District Six to be the home for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am very pro safe injection site. I know that the Chronicle has been reporting that it's going to be impossible to do them because heroin is illegal federally. Cannabis is also illegal federally, and we haven't had any problem. I mean, we've been on the forefront of doing things that the federal government doesn't want us to do before. So I'm not super convinced that it's such a remote thing. I actually think it could happen very soon. The thing that's important about the safe injection sites is that you know we have to end the open-air drug use that's just on the street at the same time we all we have to treat this as what it is which is a public health problem nobody's here to criminalize drug use so we need to make sure that when the community members or police you know go up to someone and say hey don't inject here which let me tell you people in d6 do everyone in d6 has an experience of being like hey there's a school right here isn't there somewhere else you can go and a lot of people are like okay yeah and they'll go somewhere else but that's not permanent. I want to be able to say, here's the safe injection site for you to go to. And if the police have to wind up enforcing that too, that's fine. I mean, we have, alcohol is completely legal, but that doesn't mean you can drink on the sidewalk. So, you know, we want to get people in a safe injection site where they're not going to OD, they're not going to, you know, disease is not going to be spread, where they have opportunity to get into a rehab or detox. Um, and at the same time, like start to have a street situation that's not so disturbing. The fault lines, Sonia, between, you know, quote unquote, moderate and progressive politics in San Francisco, it seems to me at least to manifest the most clearly during debates um, around land use. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, given the role that housing development plays in your candidacy, how do you see yourself navigating those waters? Well, luckily, I actually think most people in District 6 don't really know about the moderate progressive divide. So it's not as much of a issue, I think, as if it would as it would be in like, I don't know, eight or four where people are more people have been in in San Francisco for a long time. Um, it is a really funny thing, right? Because in like I'm pro I'm pro Prop C, which is the gross receipts tax. I'm anti Prop D, which is the gross receipts tax for cannabis. You know, I was no on H, which was tasers. I mean, it's just like in every other thing, I'm obviously progressive. But yeah, in San Francisco, for whatever reason, wanting to end a housing shortage is something that only like a bad person wants. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, good segue into our lightning round. First one, what is the first piece of legislation you would sponsor if elected? Legalize affordable housing all over the city. You mentioned your stance on Prop C a moment ago. You are yes on Prop C, the local ballot measure. Uh, what about Prop 10, of repealing Costa Hawkins? There are a lot of places in, San- in California where people have nothing, even in San Mateo County. You know, there's no rent control at all. So I sort of was like, great, Prop 10 is step one in getting rent control all over. But now I'm really worried because it has actually already interfered with housing production. There are already banks and funders that are like, I don't want to finance this project because I don't know whether when it's finished, there will be rent control on it. And I know that there are cities like Marin and Santa Monica that will definitely use rent control to suppress building. 
And the pro Prop 10 side has not had any good answer to that. The only answer, and I mean, I'm asking, I'm looking, you know, because I wanted to say yes to this. The only answer is, oh, Marin won't do that. Like, what do you mean Marin won't do it? They obviously will. Mm -hmm. So that really worries me. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to hand cities a tool that they'll use to not build housing. So what's your stance on Prop 10? I just don't want to hand cities a tool that they'll use to not build housing. I mean, if there's some way to have rent control everywhere without that, then I would be for it. Mm-hmm. So you're against Prop 10 is what you're saying. I think if Prop 10 passes, then those cities will do that. So are you for or against it? You haven't definitively answered. Listen, I guess I'll say this. like, If it's going to mean that cities are going to be able to pass a rule that will shut down all building, then I'm against that. Mm-hmm. And, and so you touched upon this before um, about the progressive moderate split. In this race, you and Christine, who you're running a one-two campaign with, are definitely considered the quote-unquote moderate candidate over Matt Haney, who is considered the quote-unquote progressive candidate. So how do you feel about that characterization of being the moderate candidate? I think it's weird because I'm the only candidate on the ballot that's proposing anything that's particularly radical. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of taking away the ability of neighborhoods to say no to subsidized housing is is radical. Mm-hmm. And nowhere else has that over their entire city. Mm-hmm. If I proposed that here, it would be two years of fighting about it. And I think that would be a really productive fight for us to have. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, this city really needs to have a conversation with itself and say, what is important here? Is affordability important? Or is the expectation that your single-family neighborhood will stay single-family important. Which of those is more important? I really think we have to have that conversation because as it is, people are suffering so much. All right. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. This show is a part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. It was produced by me, Dom Fercasa. For more City Hall coverage, visit sfchronicle.com.